Hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, enter the Wu-Tang, the 36 Chambers. Micaiah, the Jizza, the Rizza, Method Man, Raekwon, Ghostface Killer, ODB, Inspector Deck, You God, and Master Killer, we know them collectively as the Wu-Tang Clan. What do our listeners need to know right up top? Came out in 1993. We already talked about The Chronic, which came out in 1992. And we talked about pretty recently uh, Ready to Die by Biggie in 1994. And this uh, fits perfectly right in between those two. Uh, because The Chronic is is mainstream everyone's listening to the chronic it's you know it breaks through popular culture really and relies heavily on as we talked about before uh parliament right and kind of spearhead the g-funk sound and in 1994 when ready to die comes out it's um you know and, and i guess i should also say the chronic is you know mostly the work of one producer who has got a bunch of mcs you know, uh, on there because he's not much of an MC, he's much more a producer, Dre, you know, and Ready to Die comes out and it's one gifted MC with a few really talented producers. And in 96, we talked about Reasonable Doubt, which is again, Jay-Z, another very talented, you know, MC working with a bunch of talented producers, which he'll continue to do. Um, but in 93, it's one talented producer and uh eight talented MCs. Uh they call them, you know, lyrical assassins, hip hop assassins. You know, so it's uh it's 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 different than what's going to be the trend where it's about getting one MC and a bunch of talented producers like Illmatic by Nas, like Reasonable Doubt, like Ready to Die. Uh, and so it's a really a one of a kind kind of group and that become, you know, Wu-Tang means so much more than the group name. You know, it's, um, it's the outfits, it's the Dave Chappelle punchline. It's, you know, I mean, I, I think I knew about Wu-Tang through the Chappelle show. And now a hip hop news break with Chuck Taylor. Good evening, I'm Chuck Taylor. It's been a very busy day in the news. A lot of things have happened. A Staten Island man is listed in stable condition tonight after a brutal assault by rapper Method Man following an argument. The victim addressed the press earlier today. It was torture, straight torture, son. First he put my nuts on the dresser. It was crazy, just my nuts. And then he banged them with the spike bat. Like, wow! Then, sold my asshole shit. Kept feeding me, and feeding me, feeding me. This all took place in the slums of Shaolin. It was the Rizzo, the Jizzo, old dirty bastard Raekwon, the chef, you God, Inspector Deck, and of course, the Method Man. The victim also said that at one point during the altercation, Method Man put a hanger on the stove and left it for like 40 minutes and then he stuck it in his ass real slow. <laughs> at this point, Method Man is still at large, so stay tuned to News Channel 3 for this and other stories. I'm Chuck Taylor. <laughs>
this means something more than a logo and like a punchline. There's a lot of a lot of stuff happening here. Um, so, yeah, they, I mean, they just kind of take over there from Staten Island. Uh, they're not from, you know, the, the kind of the typical boroughs of hip hop, kind of the forgotten borough. And they've got a lot to prove and they've got a chip on their shoulder. And so the style that they're bringing is not the G-Funk and it's not the biggie kind of polished like it, it, there's there are gangster rap elements to Biggie, but there's, you know, that that ditty polish on it that makes it radio friendly, at least with the two big hits. And there's really no attempt to make this album friendly. There's no attempt to make this album breakthrough. You know, this is just a raw, just dirty record. And I don't mean dirty as in like explicit which you know it is but not it's not that you know it's just there, there's a, a intensity here that's just not on a lot of records where hip-hop is now becoming something that can break through to the mainstream so you can polish it up and dress it up to make it palatable for everyone and this is them do really doing their own thing and if you're into it you're into it and if you find it good for you but it seems like these guys don't care if you do or don't um, but at the same time, their plan was to take over. Yeah. So I, I do want to mention something, you know, it, it is a, it's a large group to uh-huh. say the least nine original members. Um, at one point between, uh, Capadonna officially joining the group and ODB's death, it grows to 10 members yet every member has, has put out solo albums um, or has performed with another group. Uh, RZA is still the producer on about half of the kind of larger Wu-Tang Universe albums. And so really, following the Wu-Tang Clan in the 90s and early 2000s was great preparation for something like the MCU, Cause like that's kind of the framework for understanding what the Wu-Tang clan was. So they had a really interesting record deal from the very beginning where they signed on with it, with a record, with a record label as Wu-Tang clan and then formed their own record label, razor sharp records within that, which essentially was what the RZA was behind And then every single one of the solo acts still had the freedom to negotiate their own record deals and sign with other labels. So by the time you get to the year 2000, uh, I I mean, the the labels that they're involved with, uh, Loud, RCA, Universal, Warner Brothers, Geffen, Def Jam, like they are working with everyone because there are so many solo albums that come out. There are uh, so many Wu-Tang Clan albums that come out. And one of the things that we talked about a lot, and you and I both have listened to most, most if not all, of the Wu-Tang universe in the last week and a half. Mm -hmm. And I think what we have both discovered is Enter the Woo, this debut album, is so good. It's so good and so raw. 
And there's so little money and fame and success behind it. Everything is still ahead of them. And yet it really is kind of overwhelmingly the best clan album, the best Wu-Tang clan album. Uh And it is probably better than the best of the solo albums. But even if you look at all the Wu-Tang clan solo albums, the average of them is a pretty mediocre album. Like there are a few really great ones that stand out, but by and large, if you look at the total product from these 10 guys, from these 10 MCs, it never kind of lives up to the promise of this debut album. And that's not to take. Well, we should also say that like between the solo projects and the Wu-Tang albums, there are like 60 plus albums. So we're not just talking about like a number of like 15 albums. We're talking about 60. I mean, there's some gray areas. Like some people don't count some albums for, mm-hmm. you know, so there you can put it at about 60. So, and I guess where you're getting at is like, you know, this is a debut album. that's just like, this is going to be the future of hip hop. Absolutely. And between these these nine just like incredible people all putting out solo albums, it's interesting that it's still the first record with all of them that is universally decided. It's the best one, and there's not a close number two. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't. Like I, I think I think Ghostface Killer has has two really great, I mean, really phenomenal solo albums. Uh Raekwon has arguably the best single solo album, but his overall uh, kind of output is not great. Uh, Jizz has got two really great solo albums. Um, RZA does some great production work on a lot of these albums. I actually think RZA is probably does his best production work on Wu-Tang Forever. Then you end up with people like inspect a deck who's got one or two great solo albums method man does a few albums with red man uh, but by and large and then of course odb has two really great solo albums uh-huh. but by and large again because we're talking about an output of more than 60 albums total i mean maybe minutes returns yeah i mean maybe maybe seven of them are you know what we would qualify as great albums in considering that this debut album the first thing out of the gate was so good was i mean kind of universally recognized as not just their best album but one of the great albums i mean this is an album that uh, on the most recent iteration of the rolling stone 500 it is 20 Seven, yeah, 27. Yeah, on the latest iteration, uh, in 2022, the album was selected for the Library of Congress for the National Recording Registry. Um, it, you know, it, it's listed in the top five of albums of the 90s, it is regularly cited among the top 10 hip hop albums that have ever been made. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, like this is kind of a perennial top. 25 top 50 album and it's made by nine mcs yeah i want to say something too uh to this point i i do think if there are like 
let's say 60 albums between them. I think there are about 15 very good to great albums and within their one straight up perfect album, which is this one. Yeah. And, but you know, I, there's a very solid top 10 for sure. They're just like these 10 and then your neck, the next five would be like, these aren't as great, but these are very, very good. They're kind of of like honorable mentions. Yeah. Like they do, they do have a pretty, I think agreeable, like kind of very good to great 10. Yeah. So there's like, but that, that, that's a quarter of all of the albums among like 10 people and over 60 albums, you know? So like, and over a period of 30 years, I don't know if that's a good batting average. I, I don't think that it is, but you know what? Look at the Beatles, you know, how many great solo albums post Beatles do they have between the fab four? But again, that's not 10 of them. There's only four of them, but like, are there even 10 straight up great solo albums from the fab four? I don't think so. Not 10. You know what I mean? So it's just like, maybe they're, you know, so even as we're saying like, that's not a very, you think there'd be a better batting average there. But I mean, if you're comparing it to what people call the greatest rock band of all time, they're actually doing quite well. Like, so we, we end up judging them more on the solo output. We judge Blue Tin Clan not on the albums they do together, but on their solo output. And maybe that's unfair. Maybe, maybe we should just be saying, hey, of the four or five albums, of the four to six albums, depending on how you define it, they've done together, there is one perfect album in one pretty good album. On one hand, it's like, yeah, they're stronger together. But on the other hand, those solo albums are good. But they're never like really solo albums because Riz is producing and Mm. they all feature at some point, you know, so like they're never really solo albums, you know, like, you know, so. And then even and and even kind of Riz's other group, Gravediggers, like that Mm -hmm. he forms with Prince Paul, like he's a producer and half the and half the clan do feature verses on the album yeah i mean they're just they're just an, this unstoppable force i mean they're they're all over hip hop i mean they're i mean not not just all on their own stuff i mean they feature with with everyone they're everywhere you know and they there's a tv show like there's a whole series a whole hulu series based on them uh, there are multiple documentaries based on them. There's the the clothing line. I mean, it's just like there's no other. There's nothing. There was nothing like them before, and there's been nothing like them since. Uh, but that being said, this particular record has been definitely one of the ten most influential hip hop albums of all time that people aspire to. You know, to try to 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 get a record like this out and to get it made. And just because of who's behind it and when it comes out, I just, uh, I don't know that there will ever be anything like this specific record ever again. I just don't think it's possible for a number of reasons. I I wonder how much of that was kind of keeping Wu-Tang Clan together or how much of it was just the business decision of, hey, 
we're all connected. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to record together and feature together, like create, create work for one another. You know, so I, I don't, I don't know the, the personal relationships in, in the group, but I, I just can't imagine a, you know, a nine MC super group in hip hop ever again. Well, I think that's what's so inspiring about Wu-Tang just is that output, just mm-hmm. these, these artists who are just constantly making music and often together. I think that's one of the most inspiring things about them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that, that, that working relationship and that brotherhood and that creative relationship and pushing each other. I think what makes Wu-Tang work is that they're only trying to impress each other. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's actually a really great bar to set um, when you're trying to make a record is just trying to, impress your friends or make your friends laugh. I think that's a really good place to be because there's no, there are no pretensions and there's no, the the pressure is kind of minimal. And I think that's just like a really healthy spot to be in when you're making a record. And I think you definitely can sense that on this record. And there are rooting albums where you don't sense that you feel them reaching for something that's maybe a little beyond their grasp or something that they, you know, they, they nailed it, but they don't perfect it. And there's something on this record that they have perfected. And I think that's why it's just always going to rise above the rest. I want to take a quick break and let our listeners hear from our sponsors, Mirror Coffee Roasters and Spotify for Podcasters. And then we'll be back to talk into the Woo. Listener, I want to take a quick second and tell you about Mirror Coffee Roasters. Mirror Coffee Roasters have a modern take on your coffee experience designed to elevate what's good. Their unique, lighter roasting approach paired with outstanding coffees from all around the world will leave you with delicious flavor profiles to enjoy right from your home or cafe. They believe in relationships and sustainability, and that's what you taste in every cup of Mirror Coffee Roasters. I want to encourage you to go to their website, mirrorcoffeeroasters.com today, and pick up their coffee box, a four-bag sampler box with some of their best coffees from Colombia, Indonesia, Guatemala, in other places around the world. At Mira Coffee Roasters, the goal has always been to use coffee as a tool for change. Whether that's a bag of coffee on a kitchen counter or running a relationship-focused business that goes far beyond generic marketing labels. They want to be a force for good in the industry and beyond. So check out Mira Coffee Roasters today. Do you think your Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? On guard. I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Ghostface, catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst, leaving a hearse, I did worse. I come rough, tough like an elephant tusk. Your head rough, fly like Egyptian musk. Oh, shit! Quick damage your whole era Hard rocks is locked the fuck up a fan 
like I'm locked down. Hardcore hitting sound, watch me act bulk and tear down. A little bit tight asshole. Songs going gold, no doubt. And you're watching corny make the foe. Yeah, they faking all that. Carrying cats with your mind playing, rolling like 40 max. Now you act convinced, I guess it makes sense. Who can go soon? Represent. I wait for one to act up. Now I got him backed up. Gun to his neck now. React what? And that's one in the chamber. Boot tank banger. 36 styles of danger. Mikhail, let's talk about this debut album recorded in a very small studio in New York City, produced, mixed, arranged, and programmed all by the RZA who still to this day is kind of the default producer for all of these guys. And because there's nine guys in Wu-Tang and only eight of them could fit in the studio at once, uh, one of the things that RZA did with all of the members was he forced them to do basically rap battles in the studio to see who would get to feature on which song. Yeah. There are a number of great things about having this many people in your group. All right. I mean, it's just, I, it's Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea. It's just like, well, what if we just get like every great rapper in the neighborhood? <laughs> and that's essentially what he's like, what are the, who are the nine best rappers in the neighborhood? Let's go get them. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's very smart, but also the way this record gets made. It's also very good to have this many people. If you're someone like RZA, and you know how much it costs to make a record because you've made at least one before, and so is Jizza. You know how much it costs, about how much it costs to make a record. So you say, okay, I'm going to recruit these other eight guys. And if each of them gives me $100, we can make a record. And so that's what he does. So there's like an entry fee to the Wu-Tang Clan. It's like, you can give me 100 but if you give me $100, we're going to make a record. And that's really smart. Mm-hmm. That's really smart. You know, to a very quick way to raise the money by yourself to make a record. Um, you know, Method Man is involved in some, you know, shady stuff. And that's what he does. He says, let's, you know, give me a year, give me a year of your time, a hundred bucks. And if this fails, you go do your own thing. All right. And so Method Man's like, okay, you know, what have I got to lose? You know, so the, you know, so that's, that's how they make it work. All of us present on the record, uh, like you're saying, uh, the battling is especially important because these verses are like battle verses. They're not like how we were talking about uh, earlier in the season with Rakim, these like carefully orchestrated, you know, rhyme schemes. You know, this is much more free association. Uh, it's it's the energy. You know, it's the the energy is like as important as the rhyme you know it's like a good comedian it's just like a well-written joke is one thing but you can also have a certain cadence at a certain point and people will be laughing anyway even if you're not telling a joke if you just have the right cadence you know so if you just have the right energy right that can get you far so you know even if they had a whack verse you'd probably still be into it just because of the energy they're bringing but it just so happens they're also just like incredible lyricists uh and the and the rhymes are just insane and the references are wild and funny so obviously there's all the kung fu stuff mm. 
but uh, there are also things like you'll in one song you'll get Indiana Jones, Full Metal Jacket, Kung Fu, Voltron, you know, and this idea that like oh you know everyone has their own individual superpower, and then when you combine forces, you're just like Voltron, unstoppable force, and that's kind of their philosophy. So there are practical reasons for doing this for you know raising money to make a record and also just like well uh what if we didn't have to compete what if we only had to compete with each other which is a great you know model as well there's just a lot of really interesting things happening here and the thing is it's not serendipitous either they're thinking about this this is something that they are orchestrating and planning you know, it, it, there, it's not just falling together. Now, the serendipity is that, I mean, there just happens to be these nine people who are this talented. Three of them are, like, related. You know, they're cousins. You know, so, like, you know, it's with, with any band, it's like, wow, these four people found each other. You know, it's even more impressive where it's like, oh, these nine people, you know, found each other and, and, and were able to come together to make this record. So... say this rob so you're okay so i was i was three when this record came out Mm -hmm. absolutely no recollection you were 13 i was so did were you in the moment like getting wind of this happening what what was your first exposure to booting i I said mine is embarrassingly basically Chappelle show jokes but what was your first exposure to to booting in this Uh, record the really kind of the the big single which is cream uh, uh casuals everything around me that was a huge radio hit on power 96 in miami florida when i was a when i was a kid and uh you kind of heard that everywhere that was also on like yo mtv raps and that was the first time the first time that the entirety of the wu-tang clan perform on yo mtv raps that was the first time i realized just how many people Mm-hmm. are in this group admittedly was not a fan of a lot of the solo albums that came out once i was in high school 
So really that kind of first album and the next year and a half of solo albums that came out are really kind of, for me, that sweet spot of mm-hmm. Wu-Tang Clan production. Uh, the, the longer they go, the less consistent the output becomes. And, you know, so you, you look at this first album and then you follow that first album up with that kind of first grouping of solo albums. And so you think about like, you get the Grave Diggers album from RZA and Prince Paul, but mm-hmm. then you also get ODB's return to the 36 chambers. You get Raekwon's only built for Cuban links, uh, Jizz's liquid swords, um, uh, you know, Ghostface Killer's Iron Man, Methodical like, Man. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that album's supposed to be called Methodical Man because how do you say T I C A L? Yeah, I, it sounds. I say Methodical Man. I might be wrong. I don't care. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, like you get this group of solo albums that come out right after the debut, and so by by the time I started high school. I thought there is no way Wu-Tang Clan is not going to be like the biggest rap group in history. Like not just in size of its members, but in the, because it really did for, for like a two to three year period, it felt like this kind of super group. And then by the time I got to high school, it, it was pretty much done. Like one after the other, they were releasing pretty whack albums and Wu-Tang Forever had some good stuff on it, but it didn't hold up as well as Enter the Wu. So then you have, you know, it just, it just it's diminishing returns. And then, you know, you get a great Ghostface Killer album with Supreme Clientele. And then even for him, like Ghostface's kind of, you know, output after that kind of falls off. Like, so there, there's just, it's all the same group of people with more and more diminishing returns and then at a certain point, it feels like half of them, you know, are Holly, you know, are, are in movies all of a sudden in every Wayans Brothers movie, you know, from that point on. And so it, it becomes one of those things where you're just like, all right, so I guess this is like a super group full of LL Cool J's. Like, all right, great, mm-hmm. great rappers who, who now are going on to, you know, be in television and movies. And yeah. I mean, you have things like how high and Rizza's producing the kill bill soundtrack. And mm-hmm. he's, all of a sudden he's in funny people, uh, you know, working with Seth Rogen at a deli. Yeah. And a movie. You know, I mean, they're just all over the place. I remember seeing Ghostface killer on made the MTV show where he's going to help a white kid turn him into a rapper. Uh, you know, they're just, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, truly just, everywhere but i think what bringing it back to this record is that 1993 this record is the most focused they ever were it seems to me on like really putting out a record that's just really gonna shake things up but i also think that hip-hop is maybe the hardest genre to stay relevant in and great in for a long period of time i mean that I mean, we talk about this all the time. Like when it, when people think of Prince, they think of like the first ten years. When they think of Bruce Bruce, Bruce Springsteen, they think of like the first ten years. Uh, Stevie Wonder, they really kind of put into like a like an eight year stretch, you know. So like, there's really a pretty short number, you know, for how long people like really 
are relevant and they, and they have comebacks and you know just like every now and then like you were saying like with supreme clientele it's like oh and oh great another another great one from someone in wu-tang great awesome you know so i i, I mean i think i think it's hard for 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 anyone to stay real especially in hip-hop that just it that's a genre that still changes so quickly that I feel like it's hard for any of them, you know, so it's just like, yeah, from 93 to 96, I mean, it's a total takeover for them. I think after that, maybe people were softening up on, on hardcore mm-hmm. hip hop, you know, and it, it became more about the jiggy thing or even Eminem or even outcast, you know, it just, it just became about something different. There, there was just a cultural shift. To you with no trivia, roll like cocaine straight from Bolivia. My hip hop will rock and shock the nation like the Emancipation Proclamation. We MCs approach with slang is dead. Them eyes are running to the wall and bang your head. I push a force, my force you're doubting. I'm making devils cower to the caucus mountain. Well, I'm Messiah, I set the microphone on fire. Rap styles vary and carry like Mariah. I come from the Shaolin slum and the ally I'm from is coming through with enough niggas, enough guns. So if you want to come sweating, stressing, contesting, you got yourself. Swords at the midsection. Don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk. Phony niggas are outlined the chalk. A mad vex is what the projects made me. Rebel to the grain, there's no way to barricade me. Steamroller niggas like an 18 wheeler with the drunk driver driving. There's no surviving. Rough like Timberland, where? Yeah, me and the clan and yo, the land cruisers out there. Peace to all the crooks, all the niggas with bad looks. Ball head braids, blows his hook. We pack home text, nigga play the max. Black axe, drug dealing styles with fat stacks. Only been a good nigga for a minute though, cause I got to get my props and win it. Yo, I got beef with commercial ass niggas with gold teeth. Living in a Lexus seat and beef, straight up and down, don't even bother. I got 40 niggas up in here now who kill niggas for my people's are you with me where you at? In the front, in the back, kill bees on the track. My people's are you with me where you at? As, as someone who was not experiencing them in 1993 or in the 90s at all, it's one of the most intimidating discographies to get into. Yeah. In, in frankly, it's when you do it chronologically, it's harder. Be, mm. Like, I've, I've found that you almost have to break it up by individual member of the Wu-Tang Clan because that way like you're going to get at least one like halfway decent album every with every member mm-hmm. but if you do it chronologically it it starts great and ends very bad yeah well it's I, I mean I think it's easy to just kind of like like what are kind of maybe like the top five right Cuban links liquid swords mm-hmm you know, uh, pick your favorite ghost face killer. And then you just, you know, kind of just kind of branch off from there. It's like, Oh, okay, well I'm really responding to this album. So I'm going to follow that artist for about three albums and mm-hmm. go to the next one for another, like three albums. Cause about three albums, you get like their best one, their next best one. And the one that's maybe slept on a little bit, but maybe for good reason, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I think between individually, they, each of them maybe have like, they have, certainly like their best one, you know, and, and those can be great or really good or just, Hey, not bad. Like, I think like the inspected deck album for 99, it's like, Hey, that's not bad. I like listening to this. It's not, I wouldn't call it a great album, but it's very good. I mean, none of them are 
none of them are like cringy. None of none of them are unlistenable. Even if they're not like great. That's what's so hard about an a debut album that is like so instantly iconic mm-hmm. that like, okay, everything you release now, that's where you've set the bar. So like it's it's so hard just like like uh everything after this, like I know you're capable of protecting neck. You know what I mean? So like they, they they kind of create a bar that's like impossible to live up to. But then there are some like like Wu Tang Forever that is just so dense that you need to listen to it a dozen times or more to like really get into it because it's such a massive like it's like two hours long there are a lot of tracks in each verse i mean it's just packed with ideas and stuff you know so it's just like it it just takes some time you know it's a hard they're a hard group to kind of casually listen to Mm -hmm. to to fully understand them you can't just be a casual listener where you can put on the 10 best beatles albums and be like i get what this is and i love it it's it's not the same with Wu Tang. They 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 demand a little bit more attention than that. Even though it's also good to just put them on and just do your thing and just kind of catch things here and there. But you know, but you have to plan on doing that with an album for at least a dozen times, and you can be like, I get this now. I know what this is. I will say this: one of the things that the debut album has going for it is that it is twelve tracks. Under an hour long. And when you think on LP. On, on yeah, one LP. But here's the bigger issue is that that would be impressive if it were a solo hip hop artist. The fact that the debut album is just 12 tracks and it's less than an hour long when you have nine members, that's that's really the impressive thing. And so there is a whether it's creation of necessity because they didn't have the money to buy more studio time or whether it's just Riz's kind of relentless ability to edit in in kind of hey if it's going to be on if it's great otherwise it's not making it there mm-hmm. is this like th- there really is for Riz there is a like deep competition only the best will show up only the best will survive there, there is a cutthroatness to the way this first album that is produced that Risen never duplicates again. Like once he's succeeded from this album, there's no longer ever again the demand on his time or his money. Or I mean, like necessity being the mother of invention yeah. kind of destroys what's great about Wu Tang Clan on this first album because the necessity is gone after this. There are no more limitations. They become so huge that there are no limitations. So they can just say, well, what else can we do? Mm -hmm. And, and just kind of an endless experiment of what else are we capable of? You know? So there's, there isn't like that hyper focus of just like, let's just really 12 tracks under an hour present, you know, something that's really gonna, you know, blow everyone's mind, just like take over, you know? And I think what's also important is that I don't know a lot about Wu-Tang's history. I I haven't read a lot of books. I've watched a documentary a long time ago. I think that another thing is with this early in the group, you know, you trust RZA 
Mm-hmm. It's just eight guys who are like, hey, I'll follow. You lead and I'll follow. And then everyone kind of has this like, well, actually, I have an idea for this. Or I think we should do this. And all of a sudden, it's just like, well, Rizzo, you know, you're not the only voice. You're not the only one putting this record together. You know, so I don't, I don't know if there's, if, if that becomes a thing too, where it's, you know, the, the working relationship on different albums gets, you know, if, 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 if that shifts, the power shifts, and if that changes anything, I don't know. I'm not a Wu-Tang expert. I should have said that earlier in the episode. I'm not an expert um, on Wu-Tang. Um, it's hard to be, especially yeah. as late. There's too much. Yeah, there's just so much. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it's tough. Yeah, so in order of how they appear on the vinyl record, in order of how they appear on the vinyl record, uh, I'm going to give you my first, and we'll just go back and forth. And my first is Bring to Ruckus, which may be, if not my favorite, one of my favorite opening hip-hop tracks. Because it's, it's not just the opening track of this album. It is essentially the opening track of the discography of the Wu-Tang Clan. And it is a perfect song to give you the very best of what they are capable of. And of course it features, in my opinion, the four best MCs in Wu-Tang Clan, which is Ghostface, Jizza, Inspected Deck, and Raekwon. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a key person missing from, from that. Uh, I'll say Method Man deserve to be in that but uh are we gonna go at the same time concurrently or yeah, go, yeah. So what would your number one be yeah i mean yeah mine would also be uh bring to ruckus because it's uh the best i mean like this is i mean I, I always choose an opening track or at least almost always and this is a perfect opening track a good a perfect first track for an act or a group it's like this is Hey, this is what it is. There's no mystery about what this is. When you put this record on and you're being introduced to Wu-Tang Clan, you get to this track, this is what it is. It is a, it's a, the perfect introduction, the perfect thesis statement. This is it, right? There's no, there's no mystery here, right? It's, it's the ruckus. Here it is. Buckle up. And it's going to come at you hard, you know, and that's, yeah, that's the track. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, and I mean, it's, it, get stuck in your head all the time and it's just cool uh 
great to listen to easily yeah top five for me easy uh for me number two is the second track on the album uh i i'm gonna say shame and again if if the first track gives you Ghostface, Jizza, Inspected Deck, and Raquan, uh, you get ODB and Method Man coming in strong on this second song. And uh, ODB's verse on this song is probably my favorite ODB verse on the whole album. I think mine would be on uh, Chess Boxing. Mm-hmm. I like that one too. That'd probably be my my favorite old dirty bastard verse but i'm also gonna say that i'm gonna call the track shame mm-hmm. um I, I will say that that's mine too because it is like intro part two yeah like it is it's it's the it's the second track but it's also the second first track because it is also method man and and you know old dirty bastard you know like it's the introduction to them and uh it's just awesome that sample that did it, did it, did it, did it, like that. That's already great. Mm-hmm. And their voices together, it's 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 also one of those smart things because the people who have the most similar voices are on the same track. Yeah. So it's important to distinguish between the two of them early on, and the best way to do that is actually have them on there together. So when they appear on different tracks, you can start picking them out. So I think it's actually really interesting and really smart like to have like Raekwon inspected deck and Jizza and Rizza, you know, on the first track really. And and then the these two on this one because it allows you to start kind of figuring out whose voice is whose, whose mm-hmm. flow belongs to who, you know, so it's uh it's very smart. Again, this is a one of the most cleverly produced records that we've discussed on the entire podcast. Like mm-hmm. there, there, there is a masterful construction that's happening here on behalf of RZA. Dre's production on the Chronic and RZA's production on Enter the Wu Tang are the two most single impressive feats of production to come out of hip hop in the '90s. Yeah, and then I would I would throw in Low End Theory, and then I would say yeah, those. I mean, for me. Like those three are are it. I smoke all the like like smoking Joe Frazier, the Hellraiser, raising hell with the flavor. Terrorize the jam like troops in Pakistan. Swinging through your town like your neighborhood Spider-Man. So all tick tock and keep ticking. Well, I get you flipping off the shit I'm kicking. The Lone Ranger, cold wet danger, deep in the dark with the art. To rip the charts apart, the vandal Too hot to handle your battle You're saying goodbye like Devin Campbell What neck, Inspector Dex on the set The rebel, I make more noise than heavy metal The way I make the crowd go wild Sit back, relax, won't smile Ray got it going on, pal Call me the rap assassinator Rhymes rugged and built like Schwarzenegger And I'ma get mad deep like a threat Blow up your project Then take all your assets Cause I came to shake the frame in half With the thoughts that bomb Shit like math So if you wanna try to flip, yo, flip on the next man. Cause I grabbed the clip and picture with 16 shots and more. I got going to war with the melting pot. It's the method man for short, Mr. Map. Move it on your left. Ah, and set it off, get it off, let it off like a gat. I wanna break food, cop me back. 
small change. They putting shame in the game. I take game and blow that nigga out the frame. And like, bang, my style will live forever. Niggas crossing over like they don't know no better. But I do. True, can I get a suit? Enough respect due to the one six ooh. I mean, oh, yo, check out the flow like the Hudson or PCP. When I'm dusting, niggas off because I'm hot like sauce. The smoke from the lyrical butt make me... Uh, so for me third track on that my, my third song the third track from this album will be the last song on side a protect your neck um this this is not just method method man's best performance on the album i think protect your neck is method man's best performance of his career i mean maybe the most recognizable and iconic. I mean, protecting neck. So this is what we should be talking about when it comes to protecting neck. Uh, this single, this is released at the end of the year, 1992. And this is a huge game changer. So by the time this record comes out, people want it. People are ready for it. They are hungry for it. They want more of what they've heard and what they've seen from Protect Your Neck. So this album goes gold quickly. I mean, it sells, I mean, almost like its first weekend. Like it's like its first weekend, the numbers are huge. And then it goes uh, platinum in just a couple of years. You know, so people, you know, it, off of the strength of one single, really and the video for protection neck is amazing black and white these guys hoodies timberlands that's the video you know there's no either there are no you know we've talked about in other episodes no people on boats no people in big houses no champagne no no dancers it's hip hop it's rapping it's the streets it's street wear it's street rhyming it's street production in terms of like the music it's the real deal and that is so appealing and so refreshing for a lot of people who are experiencing it you know so protect your neck is maybe the most important culturally like pop culturally of any of these songs in order to not have the exact same five i'm not going to do protect your neck but i will go back one and choose uh can it all be so simple uh, which is a side that people don't readily associate. Cause you know, if you think of like bring to ruckus, you know, you don't really think of can all be so simple, which is much more downbeat, you know, kind of has like the R and B kind of uh, hook to it. But the production there is, is, is one of the great tracks because the others are so like bombastic where you can be like, oh, Riz is a great producer, but this one's really scaled back. But there are still these wonderful nuances in the production, and you can really see more clearly what makes Riz a great producer when he kind of pulls the ruckus back. And so this is a, a point in the album where you're like, oh, this guy's not just like one note. Because that's the thing about like hardcore punk or like hardcore music in general, it's just like it is, it's very easily one note, really fast, really intense, really hardcore. And so, then being a hardcore act, you don't think, you don't expect really, can it be all so simple? And Riza being able to, to pull that off on the side one 
with Brenda Ruckus, Can't Be So Simple, and Protect Your Neck is just like, okay, this is an instantly iconic album, even if these are the only three albums that are like Stone Cold classics. That's why it's such a great picture of this first album. And I like, again, I like the change in the sequencing on the vinyls because can it be all can can it all be so simple as the lead into protection neck mm-hmm. gives you you know it gives you this kind of very different side a you know a slightly smoother side of especially ghostface and raekwon into protection neck which is essentially just a rap battle um for me my fourth track is going to be the opening track of side b the mystery of chess boxing, which, which is, is probably the funniest song on the album. Um, and I think, I think some of that is, is so one, you get ODB's verse in, in it, which is, you know, phenomenal in and of itself, um, on a song that he has a co-production credit on, but it's also the only track on the whole album. So again, we talk about, Wu-Tang Clan being nine guys. You got only shows up on three tracks on this album and Masticilla is only on one. And uh-huh. this is the only, this is the only verse Masticilla gets on the whole record is the mystery of chess box. And, and he's great in it, but I guess he did not win those rap battles between the nine of them. He was the ninth man out, I guess more than anyone else when uh, they were fighting for that studio space. Yeah. And then, I mean, uh, unfortunately for everyone else on the track, they have to go up against the old dirty bastard verse, which is one of the best on the album. I mean, which really gets into his sing songy, just like, I don't care if I'm out of key. Like this is just going to be bonkers kind of just like uncontrollable style that he has. If, if you like little Wayne later on, there is there is a direct correlation between Old Dirty Bastard on this album and kind of everything Lil Wayne will end up doing. Like that that persona is essentially his kind of younger, slightly slicker version of the kind of ODB persona. The Old Dirty Bastard, the 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 second solo album, I mean, is that comes out in '99 is pretty much a precursor to like speaker box love below mm-hmm. just just like really out there who gives a fuck kind of style just like is this even hip-hop this is just wild you know like it's yeah so ahead of it. any shouts out outcast actually on that album too mm-hmm. uh, so it's a pretty pretty fair comparison uh yeah he he's just on another level not in terms of just like his his skill but just on another level in terms of like humanity like he's just like this dude is out there like and that's just you know it's it's so appealing uh you know musically uh, uh however this is not my number 4 i'm not going to say the most obvious one um because it just reigns supreme over all of them um so i'm going to skip that one and i'm sure if you don't choose it then we will end up having to talk about it because we've already skirted around it before but i'm gonna say method man uh there are two songs on this album where only one rapper is on it uh clan in the front is jizza and method man of course is method man and so 
Method Man is probably my favorite out of all of them. Um, maybe it's just because his voice is maybe even kind of the most distinguishable. Uh, but I just, I just find him just, I, I even though I don't, Methodical Man is not a record. I was actually kind of disappointed when I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is, doesn't have kind of what I like the most about him on Enter the Woo. But when you listen to things like, um, you know, the, the 99 record with Red Man, I'm like, yes, this is what I want. I mean, I, I, I think he's just incredible. And uh, this is one that gets stuck in my head all the time. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because he opens with like a Rolling Stones reference. I don't know. And that's just the language I speak. So I, you know, it appeals to me. But, you know, he's just, uh, yeah. But I also hear a lot of Busta Rhymes, a lot of early Busta Rhymes um, in, in his flow here, like the scenario verse, like the iconic scenario verse. You can definitely tell that he's kind of built his flow at this point in his career off of the strength of like that verse in particular in terms of, you know, as a, as a kind of a case study of like, how do you stand out on a posse track and like, okay, well who has the best verse on any posse track? Probably best rhymes on scenario. And so just like that, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, the Buster rhymes does met the man also does quite a bit of stuff like that. And so I guess I just, that's just what I respond to. I love this track. I love Method Man. Um, and it says a lot that only two rappers, right, get their own track. And only one gets the track named after them. All right. So that's the, you got to know the other guys were, uh, how cool do they feel about that? Like, wait, this track's called Method Man and it's just Method Man? What's this? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, when they were battling in the studio, dude must have just destroyed to have it all to himself. means that i'm on number five already the one i'm going to pick is the one that is impossible to avoid which is cream cash rules everything around me um i i think on such a raw album uh cream is the song that benefits from having the most identifiable hook both musically and um and and in rhyme scheme 
And so like there's there's essentially a functioning chorus to this to this song and the use of the 1967 Charmel song as long as I've got you uh that piano riff that gets looped basically for the whole song uh man that that is that's one of those like ideal earworms like as soon as you get that piano line from cream in your mind you you're you're immediately going to spin out into doing every one's verse so like you're gonna do raekwon you're gonna do inspected deck you're gonna do method man like you're you're gonna get everyone in there and you're gonna do one by one by one to the sound of this incredible sample yeah this is the one that i feel like i didn't have to pick because it is I mean, I I think if you only have to choose one Wu Tang Clan song, right, to for the Hall of Fame, it's Cream. Yeah, I agree. Right? I mean which is weird because like it's only Raekwon and Inspector Deck and then Method Man on the hook, but like but that goes to show you that it's also very much about RZA as a producer mm-hmm. and how important he is because I think this is one of the best produced hip hop tracks just ever i mean just like that snare is great that piano that bass like just like it's amazing it's a it's a genuinely a perfect song and one of the 10 maybe best hip-hop tracks ever Mm -hmm. you know so i mean this is just like beyond iconic i will just say wu-tang clan nothing to fuck with of course great great song I guess it's technically nothing to F with. Sorry. I guess I unnecessarily curse, but it's a cool song. And uh, I don't know, maybe this is a hot take. It's a it's a cooler chant than it is a song. Mm-hmm. So I guess like that's why it doesn't make my top five. Like yeah. like who take Wu Ting Clan ain't nothing the fuck is a fun thing to like walk around the house and say. Uh but like it's, it's not, not actually it's not actually that strong of a song. It's not actually like in my top five favorite songs. Sometimes I'll listen to the album and be like, oh, I listened to it already. I tuned out. Like, no offense, but like, because uh, I, I also respond to things like my number five, which is Tears. Great song. Which is, um, I believe. Uh, it's just Ghostface. I who i mean ghostface may have the best solo career out of any of them yeah certainly the most consistent one yeah yeah it's just that again just the sample is great um and it's it's dramatic and it's intense and again like in the 90s there was just so much fear about hip-hop music and hip-hop culture about being violence and being about drugs but when you go and you listen to these records like we've been doing they don't like tears does not glamorize like violence or like it's scary and it's sad and it's you know it's it's effective you know and so and B.I.G. was the same way. And, you know, we, so we've looked at some of these albums now that, like, don't actually, you know, as much fear as white people had over these records. That's not what these records are, you know. And, and Tears is a, you know, it, I think it's a kind of a great to essentially start with, with Bring to Ruckus and end with Tears and then kind of like a reprise 
with Seventh Chamber Part Two. Um, but I think I think Tears is great, and it's another great production that's very similar to Cream and uh, Can It All Be So Simple production wise. And so like those three are very similar in my mind. I think on their first single, which is Protection Neck, I believe the B side was Tears. And I think it was, uh, you know, so what, I think that's really ballsy to introduce yourself with protection neck, but then the B side is tears. Uh, maybe it's underappreciated in my mind, uh, because I, I, I respond well to that track every time it comes on. I, I love that song. So, so tears for me is actually going to be, uh, my number five, even though I should have reasonably had cream. impressive thing about this album is the fact that in a genre that so often celebrates and elevates the solo artist Uh because because the MC that, that kind of rooting the MC in this kind of boxing ring mano a mano battle Uh the idea that the Wu-Tang Clan these nine guys would exist together 
Uh, it really was in 1993. It, it felt like, it felt like this was the achievement maybe of what De La Soul and tribe were talking about, you know, three, four years earlier was this idea of like guys who's working together. It's like, Oh, Hey, well, the, there's nothing to stop the group from getting bigger. Like in some ways, Wu-Tang Clan feels like the Staten Island version of the De La Soul uh, Buddy Remix video, where it's like everyone from the Jungle Brothers and Tribe are all in there together. Like it felt like, all right, we finally got a group that could pull this off. And there's something just so impressive about that. Mm -hmm. Even, Even the reality that like, you God's membership, despite only being in three songs, is never questioned. Master Killa's membership in the clan, despite only being in one track on the album, is never questioned. Like mm-hmm. they're all in one team. I mean, it really is. Like it it's it's like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like it it feels like the hip hop album made by the Avengers. Well, I mean, and they love superheroes and they love comics. You know, Ghostface Killa, you know, also uses the name Iron Man. And that's the name of his solo record. And uh, Inspector Deck uh, is Zara Face, you know, who goes up against Metal Face and goes up against Ghost Face. And, you know, so they they think about that stuff. You know, they, they think about, you know, um, comic books and they think about Kung Fu and they think about Kung Fu movies are like that, too. You know, so it's a. Uh, yeah, they're they're just they're just interested in pop culture and kind of the different opportunities outside of just kind of what's been presented before them just in music and to bring in other elements of pop culture to reshape an existing industry, I think is is their legacy. So we, we we've talked a lot about Wu Tang albums, their long careers, their solo albums. Rob, let's do this. Let's do our top five Wu-Tang albums. That includes Wu-Tang albums and solo albums. Oh. Why don't you go first if you're ready? I'm I'm ready. I'm worried people think that we don't like these people based on this conversation. So let's let's let people know what our top five is. I I will go first. I'll do a top five in honorable mention. Number five. Blackout from 1999, Method Man and Red Man. Maybe the most fun album on my list in this top five. Uh, that that is a just a great album and a precursor to How High, the iconic movie How High. Uh, number four, uh, Supreme Clientele, like Ghostface, uh, Ghostface Killer from the year 2000. Number three, 1995's Return to the 36 Chambers, colon, the dirty version by Old Dirty Bastard. Number two, Liquid Swords from the Jizza for 1995. And of course, number one, Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers from 1993. My honorable mention, because it seems like people are kind of split on whether or not this counts, uh, would be Six Feet Deep, the 1994 record by Gravediggers, which is RZA, Prince Paul and Company. Uh, which is like a horror core album, which is not a subgenre that I particularly enjoy, but that record I really do like a whole lot. Um, so those would be my five in my honorable mention. Interesting. All right. So I'll start, I'll do the same thing. So I'm going to start with my 
number five. My number five is Old Dirty Bastards Return to the 36 Chambers. Uh, my number four is Ray Kwan's Built for Cuban Links, which, um, again, so if, if we talk about that Gravediggers album kind of being a definitive album of the horror core genre, uh, Ray Kwan's Built for Cuban Links really kind of launches like mafia rap, like mafiosa rap um, in, in kind of that sub subgenre to a certain extent. Uh, number three for me is Ghostface Killer's Supreme Clientele. And I will say uh, Ghostface has, in my opinion, the most consistent solo output of any of the members. Um, some of that may just be he doesn't put out quite as much as others, or he's just intentional about putting out only what he believes is the very best. For number two, we are the same, just as Liquid Swords. Liquid Swords is maybe the only album I enjoy going back to as much as Enter the Woo, which of course is my number one, uh, Enter the Woo, the 36 Chambers. And then my honorable mention is going to be uh, uh, Method Man. And, and I kind of like the idea that you said of, of you think it's supposed to be Methodical Man instead mm -hmm. of Tycho. As a, as a title, but however you do it, if it's Tycho or if it's Methodical Man, um, that's my honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, the, the, see, there's a, there's a great, and I mean, there's still ones we didn't mention, like Iron Man, Iron Flag, uh, the second Old Dirty Bastard album, uh, only, uh, only built for Cuban Links 2, which is really, really good also, and has more producers on there. I think that's the one that also has like Dilla, I believe produced a couple tracks on that, or I, I might be blurring Wu Ting albums. Now I, I spent too much time listening to all of them over the week, so I can have all my facts me messed up, but I mean, well, it's something we should, uh, something we should mention because you're talking about having all your facts messed, you know, separated. Uh, the thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that, these nine artists also go by about 15 different names. Yeah. So like the, the sheer volume of albums that get released or guest verses that get done under different names. So it, it may seem like it may seem like as, as many people are in Wu-Tang Clan, if you're looking at kind of the whole Wu-Tang Clan universe, it may seem like there's more than 10. Yeah. A literally, literally a whole army. Um, but we should also mention that, you know, they're like on the Rolling Stone 500. I think there are four Wu-Tang related albums, but on their 200 best hip hop albums, there are eight mm -hmm. within the Wu-Tang kind of family, you know, which is that's those are good numbers, you know. So and, and if we were doing a 500, I would predict that we would have five or six if we weren't doing 100, if we were doing 500, we'd probably have Liquid Sores, Old Dirty Bastard, Raekwon, Into the Woo, and maybe Ghostface. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I bet we would have at least five if we were going to open this yeah. up to a, a top 500, which that's, those are good numbers. Yeah, oh, and, and, and I would probably put, you know, you meant, you you gave it your honorable mention, but the, you know, Six Feet six feet Deep, the great biggest album would make my would make my top 500. It would be the only horror core. Oh, awesome. So then six, I mean, so yeah. like, 
that's that's a good output. Yeah. Well, listener, what do you think? Is this the right pick? Does Enter the Woo, the 36 Chambers, belong on our list? Does a different, maybe solo album from the Wu-Tang Clan belong on this list? Let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at You Forgot One on Twitter at You Forgot One Pod. Of course, our website is youforgotone.com. And Micaiah, for every Wu-Tang Clan fan who is listening, what should they do on their myriad podcasting platforms? Uh, they should go easy on social media for us not uh, loving them as much as the devout Wu-Tang fans are. Um, and they should, if they like what they heard, um, like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. So when we release new episodes, they are right there ready to be listened to as they drop. Um, also, if you feel so inclined, you can leave a five-star review. Um, or you can do one better and you can write a review um, because it uh, helps other people find the show. You know, it lets us know what it is that you're enjoying. Uh, so we can, you know, give you what you want. And... Rob, um, how about plugs? You've got some interesting stuff going on. Yeah. So as we've talked about the last few, uh, last few episodes, uh, I'm doing a podcast in addition to this generous orthodoxy. You can follow us on Instagram at generous orthodoxy. You can find, uh, the podcast up wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we have four episodes live now, and, uh, we are releasing weekly at least through the next, uh, seven weeks. So we'll have something new for you to hear. Uh, it typically is 15 to 20 minutes long. So a much shorter podcast than what you get here, but, uh, interesting conversations around the intersection of culture, history, religion, and politics. So I hope you'll join us for that. And Micaiah, you have really exciting things. You are continuing to write for Bandbox and, your book, your 33 and a third from Bloomsbury Publishing on the Clashes Sandinista is now up live for pre-orders on the Bloomsbury Publishing website. Tell us about it. 33 and a third. That's been, you know, that's been my, my baby, my brainchild for a few years now um, on the Clashes Sandinista. And it's uh, it's up for pre-order now, but it will not be on shelves until March of 2024. But you can pre-order it from Bloomsbury's website or Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Google Books, or however that works. I, I truly don't know. Um, so, I mean, wherever books are sold, it, it will be available. And we are, you know, still in the, you know, putting the finishing touches on that. Uh, but it will be available in March for everyone to read. Um, again, please be nice to me um, when you at me about, you know, after you read it. So, but I'm very, very excited to get this book out there because Sandinista just, it just, it just needs some more love. And, uh, yeah, just a a little brief giveaway for the listener. Um, uh, if, if you go ahead and pre-order that clash Sandinista 33 and a third written by our very own Makai Henley, uh, you'll be able to see, uh, different people's 12 track versions of Sandinista, including Micaiah's and my own. And uh, we're excited for you to check that out. So pre order that book and then give us your 12 track Sandinista. Yeah. Uh, the listeners of this podcast will enjoy 
uh, the final chapter because there are some uh, guests from the podcast who get some, you know, get some representation in the book, actually. Some people have been here a couple times. And that, that was one of the fun parts of the book is, you know, getting some of the people from this podcast to, you know, throw in their, you know, their favorite, you know, 12 Sandinista tracks. So love it. We'll see you next week. Nigga one, yeah. Where we up? Look out for the cops, though. Cash food. Where we up? Two for fives over here, baby. Where we up? Two for fives. Niggas got garbage down the way. Where we up? Cash food. Everything around me. Cream it. Yeah. Check this old fly shit out. Where we up? Cash food. Everything around joint. me. Cream get the here money. We, here we go. Dollar, Check dollar this bill, shit. On the crime side, the New York Times side Staying alive was no job Had second hands, moms bounced on old men So then we moved to Shallon land A young youth, you're rocking the goat tooth Low goose, only way I begin to G-York was drug loot And let's start it like this, son Rolling with this one and that one Pulling out gats for fun But it was just a dream for the team Who was a fiend, started smoking wools at 16 And running up in gates and doing it my way on fire skates. No question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the dough off. Sticking up white boys on ballboards. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick ass click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas. Rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G's. Yo, Respect my ahigger to check notch. Bam! Move from the gate now. Cash moves everything around me. Green, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. Cash moves everything around me. Green, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo. It's been 22 long, hard years. I'm still struggling. Survival got me bugging. But I'm alive on arrival. I'm deep back the shape of the streets. To stay awake to the ways of the world. Cause shit is deep. I'm in with the dream of plans to make green. What's fair? I went to jail at the who never had much trying to get a clutch of what I could not play me short now I'm facing incarceration pacing throwing up states my destination pick up the back of a bus 40 of us life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough but as the world turned I learned life was hell living in the world no different from a cell every day I skate from takes giving chase selling bass smoking bones in the staircase though I don't know why I chose to smoke cess I guess that's the time when I'm not
Dollar Bill.